All right, this morning, we're going to be heading into and continuing on uh, in our series, uh, The Best Laid Plants. Uh, And it's a series kind of as we're looking to uh, our need to submit to God in all things. He spoke all things into existence. Jesus holds all things together. Uh, He's got uh, his design that he's given to us in many different areas. We've looked at submitting our identities to him last week, Christian. One of our elders was up here talking about uh, the purpose that he's given to us uh, and kind of submitting to those things. Uh, And this morning, we're going to be going on to a topic um, that I'm honestly a a little bit nervous uh, to do a message on, just to get that out there. Um, And there's a number of different reasons that this particular topic, um, it can be a minefield sometimes as we talk about these things. And, and the thing that we're going to be doing and looking at uh, is marriage. Now, as I say that, one of the very first minds that might be out there uh, are people who are either not married or are single, and they're like, oh, this isn't for me. And it's not true. Uh, because marriage is something that is far greater than just the relationship between a husband and wife. Uh, it's something that actually reflects God's kingdom, and that's what we're going to be looking at. It, it's something that needs to be uh, defended, prayed for, and fought for. Uh, and singles, uh, we need your help with these things as well. Uh, not to mention if you're going to be married someday to understand what this is uh, and everything like that. The second thing um, is that Uh, marriage can be really, really hard sometimes. And and so maybe there are people here in this room um, where you've been in marriages in the past and it did not go well and it did not end well. And and there's residual pain of that or guilt or shame or or any number of things that the enemy tries to to add on to uh, our sense of failure or not being enough or whatever else it might be, that, that when we start talking about the topic of marriage, uh, that it can be, again, this, this minefield of um, guilt or shame or hurt or pain or loss or, or anything else from the past. On top of that, when we talk about marriage, uh, maybe it's a really hard thing right now. Right now in your marriage. And, and there's pain there, or there's struggle there, or frustration there, or you need healing there. And we start to talk about what marriage is, and what it was meant for, and how God has designed it to be. And, and, and there can be these various little pitfalls that we then might have this temptation to start looking or uh, accusing our spouse of not being what God has called them to be in our marriage, or, or maybe even at ourselves, and again, guilt, shame, and condemnation for for me not being the spouse that I'm meant to be within marriage. And then all of that can be a distraction to the message. Then on top of that, again, I said it was a minefield, uh, how does our society look at marriage right now? That is such a minefield in, in marriage and who can marry whom and what is love and love is love and all of this. How many different colored flags out there now and all of that. And yet, through all of this, marriage is a gift from God. It's something that He designed. It's something that He put into place. 
And if we try to, to enter into uh, this maze of marriage and the influences that it has on our life and emotions and the struggles and joys and celebrations and pain and all of these things, if we try to go in uh, with trying to find our own path, it's like when I tried to start teaching my daughter um, how to find her way home. So she's 10 now, but probably five years ago or something like that, we, we would just be out somewhere, and we'd be on our way home, and I'd be like, okay, Eliana, uh, you get us home. And she's like, what? I'm like, you tell me whether I should go straight, left, or right. Okay. So I'd just be driving, and she's like, turn right. And like, home's left. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, we'll go right. <laughs> and we'd, we would take uh, like 20 minutes um, for her just kind of wandering around until finally she like recognized something that we had gone on a walk on before. It was a house nearby or something like that. And then she's like, oh, and the light goes on. And she's like, turn left. And then finally we were able to kind of get that direction. When we look at marriage in the family, if, if we just try to simply find our, our own way on, on what feels right or what seems familiar or what others have done, we can find ourselves kind of turned around, but the good news is, uh, is that because this is God's plan, there is a, a foundation that he built into existence itself. That, that is our bedrock, it is our, our path to where home is when it comes to what marriage is, and we need to seek that out and find it, and that's what we're going to get into today. Uh, but before we get into our passage, the first one uh, is going to be in Genesis chapter 1, uh, beginning verse 26. Um, if you want to turn your Bibles, we'll have the verses on the screen, um, but let's pray. Now, Father, we come before you this morning, and we just humbly acknowledge um, just our need for you. That your mercies are new every day. That our, our sin uh, messes with us, but you are greater. Uh, Lord, we come before you and acknowledge that in our society, in our churches, and even in our own personal lives at times, uh, marriage has not been held to what you created it to be. Uh, and so, Lord, we pray, would you help us to um, set aside today um, the different exterior influences that would shape or direct how we view marriage this morning? Uh, and would you help us just to, by your word, to cleave down to what the, the bedrock of the foundation of marriage is so that we might have it firmly established by you and then go forward from there? I pray that you would guide us as we go through this. I pray that you would bring healing where healing is needed or conviction where conviction is needed. We trust your work in our lives and in our marriages, in our church, and in our land. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so all of this this morning is premised on the belief that God exists, that he created all things, and because of that, we should listen to what he says. 
Uh, and so in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, this is the beginning of creation. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Now, when you go into the original language, the original Hebrew language, and you look at male and female, uh, do you know what you find there? Literally, male and female. God created male and female. And our society, our culture, uh, has done much to erase this fact or to make it fluid or, or to add any number of exponential differences between a binary male or female. And it's doing nothing but causing chaos and confusion as people try to establish or create their own reality, their own belief, their own existence. But here at the foundation of the world, spoken out from the lips of God, male and female. Anything against that, anything trying to change that or create something new or, or to be able to give freedom, to flip back and forth, rebels against the very creation and identity given by God. And it's just following in the footsteps of Adam and Eve. Remember, their, their one thing was don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the temptation that they were given by Satan was, okay, if you eat this, you will be like God, knowing what is right and what is wrong. And the temptation for them was, hey, we get to make the decision for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. And our society is pursuing that same rebellion and now wanting to determine their own reality between am I male, am I female, how do I want to express myself? Now we each are individuals. And we each, in, in the will that God has given to us as a gift, can choose to express or choose to take many different paths. We can choose to rebel. He's given us that freedom. But it doesn't change what he established in existence of male and female. People don't want to acknowledge that we're knit together by God for his purpose. That our gender is for his purpose. They start to look at different things or even look at the Bible and say, well, our culture is different now. In the context of the Old Testament, that was totally different. It was a totally different time. And now it's different. Jesus came and he changed the law, but the truth is, is that Jesus actually came to fulfill the law and not for it to be passed away. And when Jesus was asked uh, in Matthew 19 about marriage, he actually reinforced the teaching from the Old Testament on marriage and gender. Some Pharisees approached to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? In verse 4, Jesus says, haven't you read? Now he replies, quoting the Old Testament, that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. 
So Jesus is reinforcing the very design and plan of God. Verse 5, he also said, This is the reason a man will leave his father and his mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's such a supernatural statement right there. That the two will become one flesh. How often do we actually reflect on that and, and attempt to live out of that truth? I, I mean, we have our marriages, we have our spouses, or, or people who are dating or engaged that are looking to get married. Uh, there is something that spiritually and supernaturally takes place within marriage where the husband and wife become one flesh. It's a reflection out of Ephesians chapter 2 where, where Jesus says, here's uh, the Gentiles and here's the Jews and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they became one man, one new family through the blood of Christ. And something similarly supernatural is happening when a man and a wife, woman, come together in marriage to become this one flesh. The supernaturally created uh, existence for the purpose of God. But he continues on here. He says, therefore, because God has joined this together, because they're now one flesh, let no one separate. Why then, they asked him, did Moses command us to give divorce papers and to send her away? He told them, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your hearts. But it was not like that from the beginning. I tell you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So again within this passage, Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. He's reinforcing male and female marriage between man and woman. And then showing that marriage is so critically important that divorce is only permitted in certain circumstances. And that it wasn't that way from the beginning. But rather through the, the hardness of heart, through unrepentance of people within the marriage, that this was allowed to happen in certain circumstances. Now the question is, why is this something that is, that is so taken seriously, so important and established within Scripture like this? It's because the plan for marriage was a foreshadowing of Jesus and the church. And we'll take a look deeper into this Jesus and the church and the plans for that next week. But this was meant to represent Jesus sacrificially dying for the church and then the church responding sacrificially in love and submission to Jesus Christ. This also is then a reflection of the very plan for within marriage itself. Not only was the design of the one flesh joining of marriage God's plan, but he had a plan for how that would look within the marriage itself. And this also does not go according to the world's preferences of what marriage should look like. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, uh, he is, or Jesus is, the Savior of the body, or the church. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church, and he gave himself for her. Uh, this is a hard passage. This is a hard passage for our culture 
to, to one, understand what it's really saying, but two, to say, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. It's just not the case. Everything's kind of against that in our culture. But here's the thing. Uh, this isn't the only difficult passage within Scripture that's hard for us to understand and to truly live out. What, what about Matthew 6.33? What does it say? Seek first the kingdom, and then all these other things are going to be added to you. D don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom. God knows you need these things and that he will provide all of them for you. Supernatural passage. It takes faith to walk that out, and we have a really, really hard time trusting it, right? Because we would prefer ourselves to be like, okay, well, if I put this many hours in at my job, I can earn this much. Let me put it into the matrix of my budget, and, and then here's my clothes, here's where I'm going to live, and, and here's my food, and oh, well, I don't have my job, and now I'm freaking out, because it's really hard to actually seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added to you. The Bible is full of passages that challenge our faith and, and call us to step out against our own nature. And this passage for marriage is one of them, where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. It's one of those things where we can take a look at the world around us and certainly see how uh, this relationship uh, of male headship within the family uh, has been abused. And women have been hurt. And families have been broken. And abuse has happened. And there is such a thing as toxic leadership. None of that is reflecting God's design in this. Again, even this toxic leadership by men was something that was foretold to happen as a result of sin in Genesis 3.16, where it says that your desire, it will be to be with your husband, but he will lord over you. God was saying that this is going to be a problem in marriages going forward. But yet Jesus on the cross gives us the ability to live outside that, to, to find redemption and strength. God's purpose was not to establish a, a domineering relationship within a marriage, but instead he based it on a sacrificial loving relationship between Jesus and the church, reflecting something supernatural. A, a wife is to live sacrificially following God's designed order as worship in her life. Romans 12 tells us to, to not be conformed to this world, but to have our minds renewed uh, in order to discover and to follow what God's perfect will is, to live our lives as a living sacrifice. And so it is a sacrifice for a woman to sacrifice pride to sacrifice leadership, to sacrifice desires, to sacrifice uh, who she is uh, in submission to a God-ordained plan uh, of male headship within the family. It's a living sacrifice. It's part of worship for her. But also in this, the husband is to live sacrificially as Jesus loved the church to the point of death. 
And where have you seen Jesus within Scripture going to the church and saying, do everything for me. Clean this, clean that, let me put up my... No. Here, let me wash your feet. Let me care for you. Let me lay down my life for you so that you may be cleansed, so that you may be redeemed, so that we can spend all of eternity together. The example that Jesus set for husbands is that of sacrificial servanthood. In fact, in Philippians 2, it says that he willingly, we're told to have the same mind as Christ, who willingly set aside the authority and power that he had in heaven to come down as a servant, as a servant to the point of death as a criminal on a cross. That's the example that as men we're supposed to follow. This passage here uh, is saying that wives and husbands are to live sacrificially representing the gospel to one another. And then here, this, the Greek word used for submission within this passage is the same word submission used within this same chapter as it's talking about brothers and sisters in Christ submitting one to another as being the family of God. Certainly not in a lording over, controlling, manipulative power trip. Instead saying, how can we serve one another? How can we reflect Jesus to one another? This is the design and the plan for leadership from men within marriage, but also through the partnership of women within marriage, that it is a team. Again, remember, it is one flesh. There is no separation within a marriage. There's different roles that God has given to us in his plan, but yet even within that, we're still one flesh. We're still together in the life that he has called us to be on together. It is a, a gift that is given out of uh, love and grace as we submit to one another. But here's the, the deeper meaning here. Our marriages are primarily not about us. Our marriages are primarily not about us. It's, it's not how society looks at it, where it's like, oh, I, I have these warm, tingly feelings when she walks into the room, and I want to spend more time with her, and I'm going to stammer through, like, asking her out, and we're going to go through that a whole awkward phase, and when should I propose, and now we get to spend, like, forever together with these warm, tingly feelings. Marriage isn't like that. <laughs> Marriage can be hard at times. But the thing that holds us through all of that is reminding ourselves marriages are primarily not about us. That, that marriage was given to us as a gift. It's certainly something that we can enjoy. It gives us somebody to become one flesh with, to be a partner as we follow after God. But the very intention of marriage, the, the primary purpose of it is to reflect the gospel and Jesus' love for the church, and the church's response to Jesus. That's what our marriages are called to be, is reflection of the gospel. And, and if we as individuals try to get a sense of fulfillment in our lives, a, a sense of, of completeness through our spouse, it's idolatry. And it will fall short. And they will disappoint us. 
but it's idolatry because we should get that from Jesus Christ. If we try to expect the other person to satisfy us or, or for marriage to make us happy, we will be disappointed. And, and I can't tell you, it's at least a dozen times in the years of ministry, if not more, how many times I've had somebody tell me that they were going to be leaving their spouse because they felt like God wanted them to be happy. Uh, you want this temporal, this, this temporary emotion? Like that's what you're basing your choice on? Like, like I feel happy when I'm full and I'm not happy when I'm hungry. Like what's going to happen when you're not happy again? It's not based on our emotions. It's not based on trying for us to be satisfied. It will always fall short. And so we need to find all of that in Jesus. This gift of marriage is given to us. We, we join into it. And as we join into it, we must acknowledge something supernatural is happening as we come together and we're one flesh. This is supernatural. It's something established by God. And because I'm imperfect and my spouse is imperfect, there's going to be times where it gets a little bumpy. But if we go back to the fact that this is established by God, that, that we're one flesh, that, that nothing can tear this apart because God has established this to be, then we both work towards that, reflecting Jesus Christ to one another. And as we rely on his strength, we're able to get through the rough things together. It reflects the grace that God has for the church as we have grace for one another in the commitment of marriage. It reflects the gracious commitment of love that Jesus has for us. The other thing that's supernatural about marriage, because it's something that God has accomplished, it's we can't make each other one flesh. As an imperfect man and an imperfect woman come together in marriage, they can't do something that spiritually and supernaturally makes them be one flesh together. We, we do our best at times to, to get along as we can, to, to get past difficulties as we face them. And sometimes really hard things happen and there might be deep wounds that happen. But I, I think this morning as I was thinking about it, as we were going through this song, because marriage so reflects the gospel, I think we find hints on how to live out marriage in the gospel. And one of the things that Jesus said, or Paul was writing about Jesus, is, is that the foundation of our life, the foundation of our relationship with God is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, right? And remember, remember that passage, like what can we build on top of that? Hay, stubble, Precious jewels, stones. Anybody remember where that passage is at? First or second Corinthians, thank you. So we have a choice. Like here's the foundation given to us by God. Jesus' death on the cross. Now in our lives, as, as we try to pursue after him, we build on top of that with either precious things or, or things that are shaky and that can fall. 
And the grace is that regardless uh, of whether or not things are shaky and fall down and have to be rebuilt up as we live through things in this world, the foundation is there. We belong to Jesus because he rescued us. I think it's the same thing in marriage. The foundation is set by God, supernaturally one flesh, representing Jesus and the church. Here is the the bedrock of that. Now, in every marriage, we have a choice. What do we build on top of that? We can build it with precious stones. We can build it on the principles of the gospel and the order and design that God has for marriage. And that will endure. But as we do that, we might throw in some sticks and some mud here. Oh, this is a little bit easier. I don't have time to really invest in my marriage. So let's kind of like lean some pallets up on that to kind of keep this little area dry. And the storms of life come and these things are shaken or blown away. Or maybe there's even a section that gets a little rotten because it's something unhealthy that we've built into our marriage. The good news of the gospel is that even though in our lives, as we as individuals follow after Christ, and if we build on things that are a little bit rotten because it's established in the world and it's not God's design, those things can just be simply wiped out as we go back to the foundation. The same thing can happen in marriage. It's not always easy, especially when pain is involved. But if we believe that marriage is what God says it is, the foundation is him and not our own efforts as it reflects the gospel. And so we just need to go back and we need to repent of the things that we've added on top of marriage that don't belong, that are weak, that are not built on his principles. Repent of those. Clean those out. Ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness to to, to cast out temptations and sins that, that might be trying to infiltrate, like pornography. Cast those things out. Get back to the foundation. And then as one flesh, build it again towards Christ as these things are done. Again, Not necessarily an easy thing, but neither is our own individual walks as we have the foundation of Jesus Christ and we are convicted of a sin in our life or a habit or part of our identity that God is calling us to get rid of and change. It's extremely difficult to do that sometimes, especially if it's been an idol in our life for a period of time. We need to humble ourselves God calls us to get rid of it, to cast off every weight and hindrance. He's calling us to do the same thing in our marriages. And as we do that, it is a refining process, but one that ultimately brings glory to the Lord. All things in the life of a Christian are meant to reflect Jesus Christ. They're done unto him. Our sexuality, our marriages, our family, in singleness, all these things are part of God's design to bring him glory. The family and marriage is supernaturally designed. And when submitted to that supernatural design, it is supernaturally lived, bringing glory to God and stronger than anything that this world has because it's based on Jesus. 
We're able to go to family when times are tough. We're able to have intimacy within this that gives strength. And yes, there's opportunity in times where pain is involved, but in that pain, there is redemption and opportunity and grace for restoration as a reflection of the gospel. And for those that may be here today, where families have been broken, where these things are, are not working. Maybe we have estranged children. Maybe there are broken marriages. All of these things. We also find that God gives us new family. And that's what we're looking at next week. So I invite you to come back for that. Uh, but let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Uh, we thank you for uh, the gift that marriage is established by you in Scripture. That how marriage is to be lived out by the man and the woman is established by you in Scripture. And Father, we acknowledge that your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts are greater than our thoughts, and that as your way is counter to the culture around us, we choose to not follow the path of Adam and Eve that says, let's decide for ourselves what is right or wrong. But we submit to you, Jesus, as our Lord, as our King, as our designer. And say, we follow you and we trust you. We seek first the kingdom. And we know that these other things will be added. But Father, we pray for the marriages uh, that are in this room. We pray for those that will be married in the future. We pray for protection uh, in that, Father. I pray for healing where healing is needed, conviction where conviction is needed. I pray that husbands and wives would be drawn closer together in the purpose of better reflecting you with the benefit of enjoying marriage more. But it being our ultimate purpose to bring you glory and to reflect your love for us and our love for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite you to stand as we go into our closing song this morning. Um, I want to remind you that we have a prayer room in the back. If you would like prayer uh, for your marriage, uh, for a marriage of somebody you know, um, or just prayer for you being in singleness or prayer of any other kind, I invite you to go back uh, for prayer this morning. Um, one of the blessings... Uh, of having a spouse uh, is that um, through working together, uh, you're able to catch things that you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, and so as, as I'm preaching up here, I, I admittedly, I am preaching from a male perspective, right? <laughs> like, I can't change that. Um, and, and so it's kind of easy for me to, to, to focus on things, to point on some things in Scripture, and, and certain things may not, that I say, may not like, you know, catching my mind, like, do I really mean to say it that way? Or, or do I need to, like, expound on it a little bit more? Um, and, and my wife, if you want to just take a seat, it'll, it'll be a minute here, and then we'll close. Um, my wife, it felt like the Lord was speaking something to her, um, first and foremost, but then also had, like, one of those moments where it was like, what did he say? What does that mean? And so I want to invite you up um, in order to partner with me in this and share with them what you shared with me. Yeah, so, um, well, during worship initially, um, 
Well, someone behind me was just singing with a beautiful voice, and it inspired worship in my own heart. And um, I felt like the Lord was showing me, and it, it was right when we were singing these words, let every breath declare your goodness. And I, I felt like the Lord was showing me that we are all called to be worship leaders. And that, like, thank God that we have um, people with talent who can stand up on our stage and lead us in worship. But that does not mean that if you don't have that particular calling, that you aren't meant also to lead others in worship. Um, and I felt like he brought me to um, Philippians 2. And um, it's so cool because this I knew it had to do something with marriage, and I didn't understand how until, like Josh said, something caught me in the message. But um, in Philippians 2, or, uh, verse 14, it starts and it says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And I felt like he was showing me, um, first of all, how that when we complain, when we grumble and argue and hold up our own rights um, and do these things, that we are, it's almost, I don't know if it's exactly this extreme, but it's almost like we are worshiping the father of lies. We're worshiping the enemy in the sense that we are choosing to put our faith and belief in what he says, that things are, you know, whatever our circumstances or situation is, that it's so detrimental to us and we have a right to hold on to um, complaint or whatever. And so that when we choose to uphold the goodness of God and we speak that forward in our and do that in our actions and live in a way of humility, putting forth the others, you know, other people's rights before our own, that it is worship to the Lord. And we will lead others in worship just like um, and inspire worship in people's hearts in that, you know, shining like stars in the sky. And so um, he's showing me that, and I was like, okay, this is cool, Lord, but I don't, still don't see, you know, exactly how this is relating. Um, and then when Josh was talking, he was talking about that submission of wives. And, um, and one of the things he had said kind of like perked me a little bit because it sounded like he was saying to me um, like that we as wives lay down our um, right to have leadership. Um, and... It's n I felt like I was like, well, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to also be leaders um, within our marriages or anywhere, um, which I don't think that's what he was saying at all. But, um, but it kind of like pricked me that way, you know. And so, um, but I was like, okay, Lord, so um, I wrote down sacrifice leadership because that was his words. And, um, and I was like, okay, what do I do with this? And then I realized, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what you were just showing me, Lord that we are called, all of us, whether you're a husband or a wife, whether you're single, um, whether you're, you know, a kid or you're, you know, 99 years old, it doesn't matter, but like we're all called to lead others in the worship of God. And we do that through sacrificing, through laying down ourselves. And then it's so cool because um, that same chapter of Philippians that I was just sharing with you, the it starts off, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. And that is, you know, it's just as Josh said, it's like so cool because it's like layers upon layers. So we're called to have this unity with the Lord. We're called to have this like perfect um, uniting relationship with Christ. And we're called to submit unto him and to live not for ourselves but for him. And then like second layer, we're called to be the church and to do this for one another and be united with each other and that we look not to our own interests but to the interests of others, submitting to each other, just as like Josh has said. And then third layer, also in marriage, that this is all like, it's like a repeating theme and that something that the Lord has done. So before you can be ready to be married, like if you're still single, then you know, working out that unity in Christ and that relationship with him and then that working out of relationship within the church because that is exactly what prepares us for marriage. And if we're married, you know, we have just so many different opportunities to practice that, like laying down our own rights, laying down our own interests for the sake of our husband or our wife and, and just being able to do that like over and over again in all these different arenas and all these different layers and levels it just really is preparing us more and more for eternity and this beautiful relationship that we get to have with our God forever. And so I just don't know if that was cohesive, but it was in my heart. So thank you for, for sharing that and catching that because it was not my intention to say uh, women can't be leaders at all. Um, but just that submission to the design specifically within marriage. And again with that is as husbands lead in following Jesus. If husbands do that, then it makes it easy for wives to say, okay, let's go towards Jesus. Um, and then you get to go towards Jesus together, uh, which is the best. So anyways, uh, we thank you for coming and joining us today. Uh, the prayer room is still available if you need prayer of any kind. Um, and my heart and intent for this morning um, didn't have time to get into like, here's how to fix this, or here's how to fix that, or here's the best way to communicate, or X, Y, Z, but rather to say the foundation of marriage is Jesus. And because of that, there's hope for marriage in your marriage, in our church, in this country, and that's what we lean on. So thank you again for coming. We'll see you at the different events. Grab one of the sheets on your way out.